Greetings everyone and welcome back to another episode of Plan B Success. Who we have with us today is Sasha Schreiber all the way from Zurich, Switzerland. She's what you call a serial entrepreneur who's actually run about four companies. I, I believe this is her fourth one, Nanos.ai, which we're going to find out about from her shortly. It's a machine learning startup where she turns placing online advertisements into simple, automated, and transparent actions. That's what she calls it. And then she's also a former Walt Disney Imagineer cast member, and she's actually worked with Disney Research, started an innovations group there around computer graphics, machine learning, all of that stuff that we want to hear from her directly. So welcome, Sasha. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. So tell us, in your own words, a little bit about yourself. Well, I myself, um, I call myself entrepreneur, um, and uh, I would say uh, throughout the experience, uh, my life experience, professional life experience, I went through, you know, being entrepreneur, also work in the film industry, work in a large research corporation and uh, research environment, and now eventually making my way back to entrepreneurship and really enjoying it and running a successful company, te- technical startup uh, based in Europe and Switzerland. So what is your background? Like, you know, from an academic standpoint, have you always been interested in computers? Um, yes, I was more interested in math and physics per se from, from the beginning in my early days of professional career. So I was really, really into mathematics and uh, that was my passion uh, eventually when I decided that I will be running a company, my first company. I, I also, at the same time, I was very young and I have to say it happened by coincidence that I started a company. I started a company together with my uh, partner and boyfriend at that time. And we, we built this company from zero to hundred without pretty much any experience, um, any professional advice. And we successfully sold it and then created a couple of other companies. So also successful or not so successful, I can talk about it later. But overall, I would say uh, my technical background always helped me to, you know, to, to be to stay logical in most stressful situation. When always happen when you run a startup is, is um, predictability is one of the one of the streams that are constantly running in the background when you decide to create your own business. I also, through the course of my career, I went back to studies and I studied uh, economics and financial management. And also entrepreneurial law because I felt it was really useful for what I was doing. Um, however, I have to say, you know, once you know, once you acquire the skill and you can train that skill how to acquire knowledge, it's very easy to study something because, uh, you know, nowadays, in particular nowadays in this new post-COVID, COVID and post-COVID pandemic environment, uh, when you can easily acquire knowledge online because most of the universities are moving towards online and virtual education. As a model, uh, it is what really what being at school. What really um, helps you a lot to learn is the way and efficiency of acquiring knowledge. Of course, it gives you also. You can argue it also gives you contacts for your future career and makes your uh, maybe enhances your, your life with other additional elements. But in general, I would say my school years. What really, what I really. What really mattered to me was that uh, that I acquired to, and honed it to perfection the skill of acquiring knowledge really, really fast. So if I want to learn something new, uh, for me, it doesn't take too much time to learn it. 
So let's talk a little bit about that, right? So now we are in a time where, like you mentioned, you know, online education is the growing norm. But then at the same time, with the current generation, uh, when I say the current generation, I mean the people in their 20s and such, they're talking about the need to go to college, right? So there's a lot of discussion around why do we need a college degree at all? And you mentioned it where you said you went back to college uh, in order to gain some more knowledge around economics and, and such uh, and law. And I actually went for PhD in law, exactly, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually went back to college during my time. You know, I, I have a couple of master's degrees. I have an MBA and a master's in personal management that I took way back in mid-90s. And then 2000, I went back to college again in order to get an MBA again, but this time in information systems because I thought there was a need for that because I was from one of those generations in India where I graduated before the big wave of information technology hit. So it was very important for me to get a degree related to information technology if I wanted to have a career going forward. So that was that was the way I thought about it at that point in time. And, uh, you know, coming from the background in India, very competitive environment, college education was a must. Well, things have changed, right? 20 plus years now, people are questioning the validity of a college degree. What, what do you think? What, what's your stance on that? I have to admit, uh, I mean, I'm coming from a very traditional academia family. So um, both of my parents are professors. My dad was teaching philosophy in university and my mom economics. And it was almost expected uh, from me also, you know, to get a degree and, you know, become eventually um, a teacher and uh, also teaching in university. I did not choose that path. For reason because I felt you know um, I don't want to teach people I want to you know explore myself what life is all about and I was more in this explorational exploitational uh, mode uh, rather than you know teaching and passing over the knowledge from what I uh, learned during my university years. So I would say uh, if you have asked me this question five months ago, the answer probably would be different. But now, given the light of, you know, the new circumstances where all the, the world is moving on and towards to, it's really, you know, uh, COVID pandemic uh, show, taught us a lot of lessons. And one of the main lessons is uh, in democratizing the knowledge and uh, democratizing it in a way, making it really accessible to everybody. Because before, if you have to be physically present, you have to move to another city in order to to pursue a new career, find a better job, um, or uh, start your studies, you have to move to maybe a bigger city or maybe even a different country. Many of your listeners, I'm sure, did this in the past multiple times, maybe not just one country, but multiple countries over the course of their professional careers. Same for me. Uh, I studied uh, in different countries, around projects and companies in different countries. And, you know, uh, nowadays... Uh, I'm used to traveling and I would be on a plane almost every week. Nowadays, I'm technically stuck at home, but I'm even enjoying it because I traveled so much. Now, actually, I have really, I'm grounded, but I have really time to pursue things and learn things I wanted, always wanted to learn, but never had the time for. So, and I can imagine somebody who is just about to start a professional career and decides what they really want to do in their life. They have to really, really put, really ask themselves a very, very honestly, question, you know, what kind of hard skills they can acquire that they feel really passionate about. And because hard skills, uh, 
for instance, I don't know, languages or math or um, computer graphics. These are hard skills. This is something that, you know, over time, artificial intelligence will not take over so easily. Uh, also, you have to think of, you know, what, uh, how good are your soft skills are, because in this new era of a predominant virtual communication, uh, these soft skills of uh, rules of business conduct, online business conduct become more and more important. Uh, it is how you write emails, how you uh, participate in online meetings, and so on. So I would say the way you acquire the knowledge and the efficiency of you acquiring the knowledge is if if it is something that was usually introduced by um by a school and schooling system imposed onto a student and uh usually successful because usually after coming out of college you have this idea okay how how you can learn new things fast nowadays uh uh, students or upcoming students, future students, they need to do it by themselves using only virtual online communication tools. And this, I think, would be would pose a challenge, but also an opportunity for some, and of course, a challenge for the others. So let's go back to your very first venture. So talk to us. You were probably uh, you know just starting out of school, the very first venture that you're starting how did you kind of get into it what were some of your learnings from it and what was it all about so actually i in, into my first business i got by coincidence uh, more than it was not really uh, something that i affirmatively decided for myself okay now let's start a new business so uh, my partner my boyfriend at the time uh, he was always very um, you know goal oriented and he always wanted to you know become uh, a millionaire and, you know, earn a lot of money. So he was really much more than me, actually, to be completely honest. And I, I was a little bit influenced by him because I thought, you know, um, uh, we are still so also very young, you know, we should maybe finish our studies and then think of something and, uh, uh, and think of building a company. Also, the risk that is connected to, you know, the risk you have to take and responsibility you have to take. First of all, you need to find to do some fundraising, at least some minimal fundraising, you know, think of how you could bootstrap the company, bootstrap your idea, and also build a team around it of semi-minded people who also are driven by this same idea, have same goals, because if that's not the case, then obviously uh, your company will uh, go through difficult times if not everybody's on board, not everybody's on the same page with the idea that you had in mind originally. So the company was in retail and it was something that was fairly new and uh, back in the days. And I have to say we were rather really fast and really unexpectedly successful, maybe because we found the niche um, in the industry and also uh, the clients. And we quickly went from B2C, pure B2C retailer into B, uh, having lots of, I think from, from within six months, we went from zero to 50 uh, B2B clients also. So other companies were interested in what, what we were doing because we were doing it in a normal way. And this also taught me a lot about the importance of the team. I, I would say this was one of the first lessons when, when you start your, your own businesses is how you build your ecosystem. So if you think like I was naive back in the days, I can do everything myself or maybe I can hire some people and they would help me to, to organize things. And, but it's learn, it's the learning curve how you can uh, efficiently delegate. Uh, that learning curve was very steep because back in the days I was, you know, uh, in my early twenties, I was 21 and most of the people 
we would hire. There was at some point that about 100 employees. They were all at least twice our age, uh, my age, and uh, and beyond, right? So some of them were even looking to retirement years already. So it was quite challenging, also, in you, know, you know, to have their respect when somebody comes to them who's twice, uh, two times younger, and you know, tells them what to do. And this this has to be mutual respect and recognition and. We didn't have previous experience, professional experience in doing what we were doing, and we were just really intuitively trying to find a way in the niche in the market, carefully watching the market response and quickly being super agile and iterative when something didn't work and, um, you know, also, also making sure that, you know, we have, um, we have enough money to support the new ideas and ecosystem, always experimenting with new concepts. This was, I would say probably a few main learnings. So the building the ecosystem, building building the same minded team, uh, and uh, also you know being able to see uh, opportunities uh, when everybody else sees just challenges. And then at what point did you work with Disney, and how did that come about? Disney. Mm-hmm. When, yeah. How did that come? Yeah. Yeah, so this was back in the years, um, 2012-2013. So I was running a production company in, uh, out of Vancouver, Canada, this production company. And one of our clients was, uh, Disney Research Lab in Zurich. Uh, so back in the days, it was, it was not small. I, th- I believe maybe it was about 40, 45 employees back in the days. So it grew later in the years. Uh, and, uh, one of the gigs we had was, in fact, with the research lab. We were, where we had to build a demo for, one of the technologies that didn't exist yet. So it was quite challenging uh, because the scope of work was very vague. So we had to build a demo about some uh, new upcoming technology. We knew the name of the technology, but we couldn't really find any information about it online. So uh, Google didn't know what this technology is all about because it's completely new yet to be developed. And uh, over time, um, I got intrinsically interested in more and more in, in this technology. It was in a high frame rate variation of computational shutters. It also resulted in some intellectual property, some patents were filed, uh, the first project uh, um, with Disney. And then eventually it led into my employment and eventually also me running a, the first in, uh, innovation group within the Disney Research Laboratory um, where I just had one intern, myself and one, one and another intern, so it was a team of two, um, where we were looking for um, a research question. So something that people would be in need, some uh, some niche, uh, some question, for instance, what would be the future of YouTube? Is it really so that people will continue consuming short and other short form videos uh, in the future and leaving uh, linear comments? Underneath, or would it be some other platform evolving over time in five years from now? And mind you, that it was years 2014 15. So, uh, by posing the question, we would try to answer the question with certain assumption and then build um, a product up around this assumption while utilizing technologies, existing technologies, and thinking what new technologies needed to be developed in order to build this prototype. And then, based on uh, what we build, then we would tested with the user studies, physical or online, depending on the technology that was developed. And then later, if results successful, build a demo and pass it over to the um, product teams at the Walt Disney Company. So this was this was my corporate career, which was extremely interesting, extremely insightful. On one side, you had the, uh, you had this 
huge, you know, enormous uh, insight into how largest entertainment company in the world functions. And on the other side, um, you know, firsthand information being on, 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 on a, uh, witnessing the first trends, trends as first, one of the first witnesses when technology is just being developed in one of the major and most important research communities in the world. I mean, ATH, Federal Institute of Technology, is one of the top tech universities in the world. And uh, in some of my projects, we were working uh, with up to 40 different researchers from different universities, Yale, Harvard, and ATH included. So that was extremely interesting times. Disney Imagineer cast member, was this the role or did you do anything else between, besides this with Disney? I'm just wondering because, you know, when you say cast member, in my mind, it is, you know, people that are doing all the, the fun Big stuff. Mouth. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, well, uh, just because we were part of the parks, um, parks and resorts uh, as, a, as a research lab, so we were called a Disney Engineering cast member. But in fact, it has it had nothing to do. We didn't have to go to the park and perform there anymore. We were still in the lab working on prototypes. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And then let's talk a little bit about your other companies, you know, the, the two other companies that you mentioned. Uh, what were they about and uh, what was their yeah. Well, one of the very successful companies, which was also sold, was in the telecom industry. And then and another one was the post-production uh, um, and visual effects company, uh, which I already mentioned, which eventually led to my uh, employment at the Walt Disney Company. And these companies were all before Nanos. Nanos is now my fourth company, uh, which uh, is uh, machine learning uh, technology we're developing uh, with uh, 10 other same-minded people team uh, to make uh, online marketing accessible to anybody. So anybody without marketing knowledge, without design background, or uh, big budgets or time invested could very quickly have online visibility. So we uh, launched our product roughly six to eight months ago. This is a tool where anybody without you know much time or much marketing knowledge can very quickly go to and answer a few questions about their business or their product, then decide on the budget they're prepared to spend. And then we would automatically create ads based on information of their website. So we would automatically derive all the meaningful keywords and interest also for targeting of these ads. And then we would place those ads on different platforms, for instance, Google, Facebook, and Instagram. And then over the course of time of ad campaign, we see what platforms work better for you. Also, what targeting keywords work better for you or interest. And then we would optimize uh, these keywords and interest and budgets as well. For instance, we see today Facebook really sucks for you. We would optimize tweak the interest or reshuffle the whole budget onto Google. And we keep ourselves fairly independent because uh, we felt, you know, we, we are meta platform on top of other platforms. We're also adding more platforms, for instance, in LinkedIn and Twitter down the road. So we have more platforms where our users could place advertisements on. Uh, but we are not paid by any of the platforms. So we make our decision based on the previous data of the campaign, what performs better for your business. And then we make an informed decision and we would redirect the budgets of our clients uh, in a most uh, in 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 a plot towards the platform that is performing the best so what kind of uh, clientele are you seeing on this is it mostly solopreneurs or large companies uh, what kind of companies are you working with 
Our original idea was to create a product for non-expert, naive users, if you will, somebody who don't know uh, much about marketing and what to do and maybe don't have online presence at all, maybe don't even have a website. So we built quickly, automatically, mini website for them as well. At the beginning when Nanos was just launched, more than 50% of our clients didn't have a website, didn't have a Facebook business page to advertise on. So we, uh, we, were provi- we are providing a solution that would help them easily to quickly and easily build online presence and be online within a couple of, within 10 minutes. Uh, but now more and more, we also have uh, requests from agencies, marketing agencies, believe it or not, who also use Nanos maybe internally to also expand their clientele, their, their, their client databases, uh, so they can help more clients uh, because you know, nowadays marketing agencies, if they have clients with smaller budgets, they still have to pay the same amount of uh, salaries and, you know, still need resources to hire human marketers or designers to create ads and place those ads and then continuously optimize those ads. And this is why they use Nanos for, so if they uh, use Nanos internally, client comes to them, they just collect information from the client, use Nanos in order to create and place ads and optimize them and then provide clients with reports. We're welcoming very much such um, clients, uh, such marketing agencies from our side because, of course, we would love to focus rather on technology. This is what we do best. And we are also just 10 people currently, so we would like to focus on technology. And we also, uh, you know, marketing agencies, they would just simply take over also the customer care and interaction with the clients so we don't have to do it. So what about, uh, you know, one of the things that like Facebook marketing that you mentioned, it uh, allows you to do your A-B testing and that kind of stuff. Is that something yeah. that you guys also manage through your software? Yes, uh, some parts of it are already in place. Some parts are still uh, technology in the making, so particularly for Facebook. But what we do already now is, for instance, we work very heavily on ad creative. And this is our unique value proposition. This doesn't exist anywhere in the world. If uh, we have information, if we have a client's website and uh, we, um, we can derive meaningful and visually appealing ads based on information of the website and we obviously can create multiple templates multiple ads uh different differently looking visual ads based on information of the website and this is technologies that doesn't exist yet in the world we just recently uh finalized the research on this topic and we conducted a user study uh with uh participants who were put in front of two different set of ads what they did not know, one ad uh, of this tool was created by machine and another one was created by a human marketer. And overall, uh, our user study participants, were in, uh, they had to go through a set of, I believe, five different ads. And so they had a website and then two ads that were created on that website. And believe it or not, more than 80% of all uh, user study participants choose ad which was created by machine. So first we were really, uh, you know, I, I was floored. I mean, I was baffled. It, it was just, you know, because we didn't expect these results coming out too soon that actually a machine can take over the creative part of the app creation. This is something new because, okay, A-B testing, optimization, other targeting features, uh, we can easily imagine that could be automated based on the previous ad campaign data information. But something that 
you know, that the machine can take over also some of the creative tasks, not everything, of course, but, you know, some of the textual uh, cre- uh, ad creative is, was, of course, really mind-boggling, and this is something that we're going to introduce in our product for the next several weeks. You know, one of the major aspects of uh, writing ad copy, basically the copywriting, right? That's where most of the exactly. Is there, and that's where a lot of people train and retrain themselves in terms of writing good sales copy. The creative aspect of it, how how are you replicating that within your particular software? So, uh, just going back to this user study, so it explains a little bit more. Uh, when we we asked our participants three questions, so first of all, uh, is this ad grammatically correct? Then is this ad corresponds uh, to, is this ad truthful to the information provided on the website? And do you like this ad? Of course, the last question was a little bit okay. Uh, I maybe like this ad, and you know, and uh, Rajiv maybe don't like it. You know, so it, it's it's uh, not really uh, it's not really something that we could hold on to. But the fact that ads were grammatically correct, and the, the fact that they were truthful to the content provided on the website, already means a lot. So, uh, based on uh, previous data, uh, data sets, uh, our system was able to, um, to create meaningful and, uh, visually appealing, I mean, visually and, uh, uh, grammatically correct ads, which could appear that they were written by human. And then you, are you providing based on the ads being used and the dollars being spent? Are you providing any information on you know, returns for the users in terms of, you know, how many ads are really selling, uh, you know, how many people are going to a transaction based on an ad, that kind of stuff. Yeah. For advanced users, yes, we do. Um, it's still not in the core product. So uh, in the core product, you create, place an ad, and we would automatically optimize this ad for you. Of course, we cannot for sure tell you how many clients will come to your online store based on, based on your ads. I mean, we can predict certain numbers and users would usually see it on their dashboards, how many people click, supposed to click on the ad and how many persons, how many people will see the ad and then eventually how are algorithms optimizing the ad over the course of ad campaign cycle. But of course, we cannot uh, tell for sure that with this amount spent uh, that so and so many clients will knock on your doors or visit your online store. Mind you, we work a lot with small budgets campaigns. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, campaigns coming from Latin America, from Brazil, from Mexico, average size campaign easily could be $12, $15. So, of course, uh, um, it's we always recommend our clients in all our materials and videos and photos that they, if they have very limited budget, they should really start advertising with just one platform, not try to spread them their budget, small budget, too thin over the course of over many platforms, uh, but rather have more consistently over the longer time period, but just one platform. So this is what we do. And then of, uh, machine learning kicks in as a second day. So we already know. So first day we just watch, we observe. Maybe in cases, multiple platforms, we just distribute the budget equally. And then starting from the second day, uh, cross-platform optimization would start. And then on a day six, it will be in full force. So then uh, if campaign runs at least six, seven days, then we can uh, reassure that the money is, uh, the budget is being optimized in the most effective way to, to make sure that there is the best return on the investment. So the target market uh, that the ad is being offered up to and all that, 
Is it all done by the software too? Exactly, yeah, yeah. We aim at almost full automation. Of course, um, full automation is not possible because uh, when uh, when you work, in particular when you work with small budget campaigns, uh, sometimes image that arrives into our system from a user is uh, not corresponding to the restrictions and guidelines of Facebook. It happens more often than not, unfortunately. And particularly nowadays, lots of entrepreneurs choose to you know, uh, opportunistically choose to advertise, for instance, um, products related to COVID. And this is something that is not easily done through Facebook or Google. So there's a lot of rejections we currently receive for such campaigns. So, of course, we would then have to interfere and check manually uh, campaign why could possibly have been rejected and then um, um, relay this information to the user. It's something that Facebook, for instance, doesn't do. So we do this manually. If your campaign, if you go directly to Facebook, and your campaign is being rejected, they would not explain you why. But now, we, since we know uh, we have that previous experience of potential or way, uh, potential scenarios why campaigns, images could be rejected, then of course we also help our users to make sure that their next campaign will not be rejected. And what's your business model? How do you make money? Business model is extremely simple. It's, it's transactional. Uh, so Nanos takes uh, 17%, one seven from overall ad campaign budgets. Um, so if you go to marketing agency, usually uh, they would charge you more, or at least would be other hidden fees, for instance, for design of, of the ads or other materials or website. In our case, for everything, everything, if you need website, uh, it's also included, uh, it will be created automatically, ad creation, placement, optimis- continuous optimization. In the future, we also will be adding SEO feature, automatic SEO for landing pages. An unlimited number of landing pages is already existing in our product. Uh, we take this 17% cut from overall ad campaign budget. For instance, if somebody is placing a campaign for 100 US dollars, then we take 17 US dollars as Nano's fee for services, and there would be also additional 3% uh, to pay to the payment provider's um, credit card or PayPal. So, do you envision this kind of going into some kind of a subscription model at some point? For agencies, for sure, yeah, yeah, we're building also white label solution and APIs, which will involve subscription model for larger clients. So is this all bootstrapped at this point, or do you have you found funding? No, we are funded by uh, European uh, investment funds, so um, we are not bootstrapped, uh, but we're making um, a lot of a lot of progress. We're growing really fast and really uh, rapidly. You know, for people that are interested in this, I'm sure a lot of uh, solopreneurs would be interested in something like this because you know, I believe there's a creative aspect of things that you do and then there's technical aspects. Some people are strong on the creative side, some on the technical side. And you know, somebody could use a technology like this if it really helps them out. So where do people find you and uh, how do they reach you? Well, if you just Google Nanos, uh, Nanos Marketing or Sasha Schreiber, I'm sure you'll find your way to our website, nanos.ai. Uh, we're also very active on social media. Uh, we put a lot of time into our educational videos. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, also, you can find me on YouTube, Sasha Schreiber uh, channel. And uh, I'm also very active on LinkedIn, um, on Instagram, uh, and on Facebook. We also have a um, Facebook page for our for Nanos customers so uh, pretty much each and every channel even on tiktok now so you can find us everywhere nanos.ai awesome well thank you so much for joining us today sasha it's been a pleasure learning about your company very interesting and unique technology and hope uh, 
you guys get all the success that you deserve. Before you leave, one takeaway that you would like to leave with our listeners. I would say um, if you're about to start or considering starting a new company, maybe um, you lost your job you know, nowadays in current conditions where the world is going to, there's so many layoffs that are happening currently and you know companies shutting down physical stores and moving businesses online there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of you know uh things that are changing which are actually out of our control and i feel lots of people from what i see when i interact uh, with my friends and uh, colleagues and uh, from, uh, also on the social media from what i see there's a lot of uh stress you know ac- accumulated over the course past couple of months and you know it's sometimes difficult to call for the stress i would say um turning challenges uh, into opportunities and trying to making your way uh finding a way how to how to see these opportunities in, in the most difficult challenges because sometimes even my day sometimes uh like today and yesterday you know there were some things were happening which i had absolutely no control of and of course i could be easily stressed because i just don't know what will happen next you know concerned about uh decisions to take to make sure uh to make um the best out of the situation but sometimes it's really what's really important is just to have uh you know to take Take a deep breath and just to wait until tomorrow. Really, really, it helped me so many times. More often than not, I have to say, just you know, tomorrow is another day. You really, really can just uh, you know stay put. Just you know, close your emails uh, and uh, you know, go go for a walk and uh, do some gym and just really see what the next day brings and early morning you wake up you check your emails you make phone calls and maybe there would be another important piece of information arriving to you and that would help you to make the really proper informed decision and to turn this challenge which currently looks as super stressful and uh, unavoidable thing to turn this into opportunity absolutely thank you so much for that we wish you the very best with nanos.ai and we look forward to seeing you climb the ladder thank you very much Thank you very much for having me. I hope you liked that episode and are enjoying all the episodes in Plan B Success podcast. I'd encourage you to go subscribe on your favorite platform, whether it's any listening platform or YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe so that you enjoy this content and extract from it what serves you best, what benefits you in your own life, personal, professional, business whatever it might be. Plan B.Live is the website where you can go in order to find any episode that you would like to listen to. Three times a week, we release episodes, the first being an inspiring interview with someone who's done it, been there, done that, and can inspire you to go after what you want to achieve. Every Monday, that's the episode that gets released. And then, on Wednesdays and Fridays, We pick a topic and we talk about it in order to benefit you in your personal and professional life. At the same time, if you're someone who's interested in learning more about these concepts, if you're someone who's interested in podcasting as well, go check out planbsuccessschool.thinkific.com. That's where all the online courses are. You can learn and benefit from them there as well.
There's a bunch of free courses. There's a bunch of paid courses. Start with the free ones. Get to learn what you aspire to learn. And if you want to delve deeper, then you can sign up for the other ones. Thank you very much. Thank you.